0: Hey, friends. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Unlock You with Dr. Shaden Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist, leadership consultant, and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose. I want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and vocationally. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shaden Crawford. And perhaps we put the horse before the court or The cart before the horse (laughs) or the dyslexic moment that just happened. Uh, There we go. (laughs) It's Shanti last time about sex. And now we're going to talk about marriage. That's the right order, I think. Um, just kidding. So, Shanti, you are a phenomenal researcher. For those who haven't watched, please go back and watch the sex episode. It is so spicy and delightful. Um, and now we're going to talk about research based findings on how to have a spectacular lifelong love affair marriage. So, what are some keys that people need to be thinking through and investing to make their marriage fantastic?
1: So, okay, so you've just tossed something that I've been, like, researching for 17 or 18 years. <laughs> so you're saying, okay, what are the most important pieces? So I could talk about this for hours, but I won't. Um, let me let me tell you a couple of the things we've seen that are big picture, really practical uh, patterns that make a difference. The, the biggest thing actually as a sort of a premise, we mentioned last time, just briefly, which is that most of us really care about each other. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're both, both the husband and the wife often are really trying hard. Mm-hmm. That's, that they, that idea that my spouse cares about me is so crucial. It's just sometimes we're trying hard in the wrong areas. And so we're sort of missing each other, or we're trying hard and hurting each other. Mm. even. And so one of the things that we have found that makes a big difference is just to know a few things that are a little off, like, oh, wow, I was misunderstanding, or I thought something different about you that was wrong, or mm. whatever. And so suddenly, you're trying hard, you're trying hard in the right areas, and you can connect. And so what are those right areas, <laughs> instead of the wrong ones? Um, the the big picture, one of the biggest issues, Shannon, honestly, is that we don't realize our spouse probably has a different insecurity down Uh, than we do. And it's, this is a big, big deal. And it's, it's one of the things we've seen most strongly statistically in all of the surveys that we've done, we, we do, you know, fairly exhaustive nationally representative surveys. Um, And one of the patterns is that, and this is, we're getting into, um, areas where men and women tend to be a bit different. Now, not always, Mm -hmm. we found it was about 75 to 85% of men, 75 to 85% of women about what I'm going to say, but just keep in mind that, you know, if 75% of men said one way, that means 25% didn't, Mm -hmm. everybody's an individual, Mm -hmm. but use it as a starting point that for women, we tend to statistically, the insecurity, the worry that's kind of down deep in our hearts is often sort of an, am I lovable kind of question, right? Like, am I beautiful? Am I special? Mm -hmm. And am I worthy of being loved for Mm -hmm. who I am, you know, on the inside? And so the thing that comes out of that insecurity is there's a real like sense of need that that fills that insecurity, a need to feel loved, a need to hear "I love you," a need to have him put his arm around me when we're sitting together at church because it says "you're mine." Like it says these things that our heart is like, ah, oh, you know, it makes us feel better. And we don't we don't realize that our spouse, again, most of the time, statistically, not always, has probably a different insecurity. And that for most men, it's not so much, am I lovable, but am I able? Mm-hmm. There's a sense of, am I, where a woman might wonder, am I special? Mm-hmm. He's thinking, am I adequate? Do I have what it takes? Mm-hmm. And the the way that I sort of summarize it often to help us kind of get it is if we're wondering as women, You know, am I worthy of being loved for who I am on the inside? A guy is probably, again, subconsciously wondering, am I any good at what I do on the outside? And that lends itself to a very different set of kind of needs that speak into that insecurity. And so like a sense of, oh, you know, she noticed what I did and said it was good, you know, where for a woman hearing I love you or putting his hand on your knee when you're driving or sending a text message during the day saying, I'm so glad I married you. Like, I don't know about you, but I will screenshot that text message. And for him, those are nice. It's not like those are bad. Those are nice, but they don't, they don't hit emotionally. Mm -hmm. His area of biggest concern And so when you say, I know this is going to sound stupid, by the way, every woman listening to this, every man will not get it, but every woman is going to think, this is so crazy. But literally, if you notice that he changed the light bulbs in the hallway, because the light bulbs had burned out, and you notice he got up there on the ladder, and he changed out the light bulbs, and you say, oh, thanks for changing the light bulbs, that was driving me nuts. For him... That's the equivalent of him sending you a text message during the day and saying, I'm so glad I married you. Hmm. Like that's the equivalent emotionally. And we don't realize it. And so a lot of women tend to, we think those things Oh, like, oh, that was nice of him. Uh That was driving me crazy, but we don't realize it doesn't like come out of our mouths often in the way that we think it does. We found that in general, on average, we think we say affirming things two to three times a day, and yet it's statistically more like two to three times a week. Wow, that's a yeah. gut check that we're not yeah. always good interpreters of our own behavior. And so that's an example of where we tell women, for you, I love you speaks directly to your, mm-hmm. like the thing that you're wondering. For him saying thank you yeah, for doing XYZ, that speaks directly to what he's wondering.
0: So I hear a lot of women say, well, of course he should change the light bulb. Look at all that I do. And so right. there's almost like an edge to it that yeah. I'm not going to say thank you. He doesn't say thank you to the millions of things that he didn't you know, gets handed to him every day in our life being, you know, perfectly run and not being recognized, what would you say to a woman that bristles at that thought that she should say thank you for all these little
1: things that she's like, I outweigh everything that he does? (laughs) Well, interestingly, uh, there's there's a couple different things there, which believe me, and, and the first thing that any woman who bristles at that needs to know is I am right there with you. Because <laughs> when I first started doing this research, I'm like, come on, you know, I, I was in that same mindset. Mm-hmm. And then I realized two different things, actually, which may help you, I don't know. um, But one of the things was realizing, oh, actually, Jeff, my husband's name is Jeff. Jeff actually says thank you a lot to me (laughs) like like recognizing that he's hoping to hear it and so he says it Mm. like you know you know you're so good with the kids you know you're such a good mom or like little little and I'm like oh that's nice but I don't give it much weight because again for me it's just nice Uh it's not like this deep emotional thing because what I'm longing to hear is how much he loves me and adores me and he would choose me all over again and, you know, that kind of thing. And so that's the first thing is keep an eye open and you might see that your husband actually says thank you a lot and you just hadn't quite recognized it. And, and by the way, another thing you might notice, this is not number two, this is number 1.5. Um, <laughs> you may notice, did you notice the yard? Like <laughs> offering this to you yeah. did you notice the cabinet doors <laughs> like, it's like, come on i just want a little bit of that affirmation i want the pat on the head and so because you know again we think it we don't often say it so okay so that's number one another thing though that is is a big deal this is sort of the second thing is and you you mentioned it earlier is this sense of okay why should I have to say thank you for something that's just his job yeah I mean come on Mm -hmm. right like it's his job to put the dishes away why should I say thank you for that Mm -hmm. and we get our backs up about it and it's it is it's the premise there is that whole statement is based on the concept that I'm pandering Mm -hmm. to him. That's Mm -hmm. the, the, the concept, the entire question is based on this idea that I'm pandering to him as opposed to based on the premise that there is a deep, deep vulnerability in his heart. where he is wondering am I any good at what I do like I want to be a good husband to her and I just don't think I am I I want to be a great dad I have no idea what I'm doing am I able at anything like uh, somebody's going to find out that I have no idea what I'm doing and there's this imposter complex that's down deep like constantly in Mm -hmm. a man's heart and so when he's doing the dishes he's going oh like this is a way I can help but I hope it's okay and then when she says nothing it's like oh well maybe it wasn't okay or she comes along behind him and puts the dishes back in the dishwasher the right way and it's like confirming yeah you're an idiot right you failed and we don't intend to send that message Mm -hmm. and yet we don't recognize Mm -hmm. what's underneath the the heart and so of course you don't have to do anything right you don't like just because it's his his job you don't yeah it's his job to put the dishes in you don't have to say anything Mm -hmm. and you are missing one of the greatest opportunities for your marriage which is to see the heart underneath the surface
0: yeah and just that switch because I've heard so yeah. many, so many women say I mean he does like one thing like should I really thank him for that when it's so imbalance of all the things I do but if now it's not a equity of what's fair and what's just right the research based on reciprocal marriage of I scratch yeah. back if you scratch my back but instead it's more covenantal where it's I understand there's a vulnerability here and yeah. I proactively speak to or minister to that area and let you know you have what it takes and I'm proactively addressing that need without even telling you you have what it takes like that would be really awkward but just addressing like hey thank you for going to work and just going through traffic and everything you do every day and coming home
1: yeah with us I appreciate you one of the other things that you mentioned that I that I should mention um is this concept that as you're trying to like um, speak to that area of of now that you know, you know, is is vulnerability, Whoa. that to every degree that you speak to that, he will try more. Positive reinforcement. And if you speak more to it, he'll try more. Yeah. And and it works in reverse too. Like if he feels like he's not good enough yeah. and he didn't do it right, he's gonna back off a little bit more. And then, well, he really didn't do it right. He'll back off even more. And we may, we we may like go, why? Like, that's another thing to criticize, right? But that is statistically the the most common denominator that I've heard over these 18 years of studying men and the inner lives Mm -hmm. and the emotions is that they, this question of, am I able that insecurity, am I any good at what I do on the outside? I want to be a good husband, but I don't know if I am. The, the response to that insecurity is to back off and not try. Because if I try and I get it wrong, then it's way worse than if I didn't try at all. Like it's way more painful. Yeah, which includes not saying anything. To him, that still Correct. feels like I didn't do it right. Correct. And so that's one thing that for many of us as women, it's a mental switch. And I will tell any woman listening to this, by the way, you may be like not believe a word I'm saying. And you may think that this is like all stereotypical and it's so paternalistic and it's too male focused and not enough female focused. And, you know, we're not diving in in this podcast into what does your man need to know about you? Um, But that's a whole nother topic. Mm -hmm. However, I will encourage any woman listening to this. If you don't believe what I'm saying, don't believe it. Just try it. Come on. Just try it. Mm -hmm. Try, look for the things that he does and say thank you. And try to look for the ways that you might otherwise have been like, you didn't do that right like you know the dishes didn't get put in right or whatever wow. look for those ways and try to be like okay do i really need to say that sometimes you do you know yeah. but sometimes not so much and just watch and see if he tries more and if see if you feel closer yeah. and then if he does try more then make sure you look for those things and affirm them and see if he tries more and if you feel even closer. So anyway, don't believe me, just try it and see.
0: So go where you're celebrated. And many times when we're meeting somebody, we're super excited, we spend all this time, it's fantastic and you're interested in every stupid thing they say. And then later it's like, oh, it's you again and you're telling me about your day and I have a headache and I have 12 things running through my brain. And so as we're wrapping up and we're wanting to create a culture of healthy attributions, healthy habits of finding out what is the tender spot that your spouse needs, and then now starting to just practice and implement meeting that need proactively and then see if it grows. Is there anything left that you would say to our audience and our community of having healthy marriages?
1: We touched on it in the last podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to mention this one thing because it's worth repeating, which is that There's another thing that can sabotage underneath and it's part of that attributions thing. Mm -hmm. We just don't realize how often when something hurts us, we think they knew how that would make me feel and Mm -hmm. they did it anyway. And what you're believing, you don't realize it, but what you're believing is they don't care about me. And what we found that the happiest marriages do, that is such an important uh, skill to build. You're going to need to sort of be purposeful about it at the beginning but then eventually it will become automatic is when that thought starts to come in of ow like they knew how that would make me feel and said it anyway you go no mm -mm. no like I know they love me yes I know they care about me and so they must not have known how that would make me feel or they wouldn't have done it that way or they wouldn't have said that or whatever and you're giving them The most generous explanation of their behavior. And the reality is, it's not wishful thinking. We actually found it's almost 100%. Sadly, it's not 100, but it was like 99.26% or something of people like deeply care. Even in the most difficult relationship seasons, they deeply care about their spouse. You just have to let yourself believe it. Yes.
0: All right, Shanti, I'm going to let you jump off. This woman is incredible. She has another meeting and I'm going to stay on and just visit with you guys for one last sec. Thank you so much, Shanti. Absolutely. Hey guys, wasn't that incredible to have Shanti with us Shanti Feldhahn and her husband Jeff are incredible researchers, and again they're not giving opinion, they are sharing from national data samples and narrowing it down and synthesizing it into the basic principles that we need to know. And I would say, as a clinical psychologist, that this is so important. Please apply it in your life. And I wanted to just do a little bit of heart stuff with you before we jump off this episode. Many times, it would be very hard to apply that at a topical level if you've already been really hurt and damaged in their marriage. If that person's face has a negative emotional spiral for you, and just being around them, it can create all kinds of trigger responses. I want you to know you're not broken, you're not alone, and it's not impossible to rewire that and develop an intimate, close connection. The first thing you need to do is to honor the pain and to grieve. Now, grief doesn't mean somebody necessarily died or there was a huge traumatic event. It just means creating space to process the emotion. But when we're in pain, avoidance, shock, denial, stay busy, keep going, which for men often looks like, stereotypically, working a lot, kind of staying away from their spouse, just diving into work where they are going to feel celebrated and they are going to feel like they have an area where they are competent because they keep feeling like the unsatisfied wife, the depressed wife, the angry or nitpicking or emotionally cold or walled off wife is never pleased with them. On the other side, the female tends to stay crafting, busy, cooking, cleaning, chores, workaholism as well, focused on the kids, both of which they're siloed apart from each other, licking our own wounds metaphorically because there's pain there. And if we don't process the pain and we just superficially try to um, just apply truth without actually mending the heart. It would be like running a marathon with a broken leg and now just like drinking more caffeine to take away the symptoms. We need to slow down. No matter what your relationship status, there's going to be times where you will be hurt in that relationship, even by the best person who really cares about you and vice versa. You are going to be the culprit that accidentally or knowingly hurts your partner. And so in knowing that, We need to be really good at tending to one another's hearts, to slowing down, to creating space and margin to have the hard conversation, where I'm not just angry, I'm not silenced and saying, oh, nothing, but that we can really sit down and say, hey, I know it may not have been your intention, even though it feels like it was. (laughs) Tell them, I know it probably was not your intention, but the impact of this caused my heart to feel this and if we can start getting down to that emotion focus level where your heart has like a drawbridge and over time with all the pain those drawbridges go up and we have two fortified castles with like alligators or porcupines that will sabotage anyone trying to get close especially your spouse. In that siloed space, it's really easy to turn to false comforters, another relationship, an emotional affair, alcohol, food, TV, social media, um, anything else that we can turn to as humans to just try to get a little bit of pleasure because we're no longer turning to our spouse. As a marriage therapist, and even my dissertation is on marriage, this is a passion to see healthy relationships, not just stay married and become roommates, but that you actually thrive and you do the hard work of having the hard conversation. One key, make sure that you're not attacking with your words. When you is a statement that provokes shame and defensiveness. When I experience, the language is now not on the other person, but I'm just informing you this is how it impacted me. You're not my problem, the situation, there's something between us that we need to fix. And then you talk about the vulnerable emotion, not just the anger and walled off emotion. It's really important that we take time to say, my experience, while angry on the outside, I realized because I felt abandoned, unseen, forsaken, taken for granted, unappreciated, whatever it might be. And if we can now go to that place, we're now inviting empathy. Most of the time, it's too risky and it's scary to be that vulnerable with somebody that your attribution has told you they don't love you and they don't care. That's why Shanti's research is so important. Because she's saying clinical research over and over, tons and tons of people, if you choose to believe your spouse is good and their motive and their heart towards you is good, you know, there's always outlier cases. But for the most, most people, most relationships, people are trying their best. They're just ill-equipped. They're tired. They have lack of modeling. Um, every time they've tried, it has blundered and blown up in their face, so they stop trying or some variation. If we could go slow and we can process that pain, reset the broken leg where he and she at one point started to feel, you don't respect me, you don't see me, you don't think I'm beautiful or captivating or worthy of honor, whatever those are for each person, if we can clean those out and now repent of pride. Because where I feel hurt, there's a wound. And there's a vulnerability where I'm a victim and you did this to me. Now, I understand there's egregious things that do happen, but I've found that if I do my own inner work, if I work with a couple and I separate them in the relationship and help each person mend those places where there's brokenness and pain. If I can even stand in the gap and representational repentance of help create space For that pain to be processed and repent on behalf of that person, acknowledging and making known the wrongfulness, the hurt, the injustice of what's happened. Small or big, it can really break our heart and create a lot of division. By ministering to that place on each individual heart, I have found that it's like they get strengthened, they get more robust, they're not stuck and frozen in the past and just looping everything through a faulty lens but now able to lean in, now able to see the present efforts and bids to connect, as Gottman would say, that we want to recognize and have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart of flesh to recognize the way your partner is trying to connect. And they may be disillusioned and tired and burnt out, and you may be as well, but it's not too late. Every day there's an opportunity to say, I am not a victim. I reject the lie that this person did this on purpose, that it was intentional. And I welcome the reality and truth that we're both fumbling. We're both hurting each other, not on purpose. I'm doing stuff that I need to be forgiven for. And if you think you're not, then that's also pride. And Lord, would you forgive me for holding offense? Would you take this bitter root that's formed out of my heart? And would you help me to truly forgive, not because it's okay? Not because somehow we're sweeping it under the rug, not because my feelings don't matter for the sacrifice of the marriage, but because I need forgiveness. And so I also need to extend forgiveness. And it helps me coming out of being a victim. And when I'm no longer a victim, now I can see my stuff and their stuff with more clarity as adult to adult. And when I can allow that healing phase, now I can repent of pride. Pride is that internal part of you that says, well, I'm not going to do it if you're not going to do it. Or, um, you know, why should I have to thank them when they are barely doing anything? They don't appreciate me. Why would I say that to her when she or why would I give him sex when he's? There's pride there. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have boundaries. It doesn't mean you just willy-nilly do whatever the other person wants you to do and you lose yourself, but it does mean that I'm not pridefully withholding. I'm not arrogantly a martyr saying he did this or she did this, so I'm not going to give them access to my heart anymore. I'm not going to meet that need of telling her she's beautiful and I love her. I'm not gonna meet his need of saying, you have what it takes, I'm so proud of you. Thank you, I appreciate you. In that place, that is the death of a marriage because pride creates resistance and walls and self-righteousness. And I have worked with people all over the map of that spectrum, male and female, and pride really does shut down a marriage quicker than anything. If you have an issue with pride, then you probably have pain. And if you would address the pain, I don't need the pride to protect me anymore. And if I don't need the pride, then I can actually enjoy laying down that drawbridge and actually reuniting and connecting. And it can be sweet and it can be worth it. Those are a couple thoughts. I hope you're having a fantastic day. And I hope that you diligently pursue guarding your heart, ministering to your heart, And then laying out the debris, clearing out the pride, self-righteousness, and that reciprocal sense of I won't unless you will or will. (laughs) I don't know if I said that backwards. I love you guys. And I look forward to seeing you for our next episode. Bye.